You're listening to a podcast from Columbia Christian Fellowship in Columbia, Pennsylvania. Our services are weekly at 10 a.m. We hope to see you there. last week, or weeks before that, we've been running through a series in the book of Acts. Last week's text was Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. It was the story of Ananias and Sapphira. We shared a stern stern warning to the church from the Lord because of this account of Ananias and Sapphira, we were shocked at the swift judgment and their untimely deaths due to sin. This wasn't in the Old Testament where many of us see God as this big, harsh ogre, which he's not, and he's no different today than he was then. You know that. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But we had this image of God would judge like that in the Old Testament, but God would never judge like that in the New Testament. And yet we see in Acts chapter 5, clearly New Testament, Ananias Ananias and Sapphira sinned, and there was swift, harsh judgment. They both fell dead. This is the stern warning to the church today. We cannot take sin lightly. We must take sin seriously, and we don't, for the most part. We don't. We do not. We learned some lessons last week. First lesson was, we thought Ananias and Sapphira were in trouble because they didn't give enough. And that's not the issue at all. The issue was not the amount of money. Now, on the surface, there's an issue, and that surface issue was lying and deception. They lied to the Holy Spirit. That's hypocrisy. And that's bad. Lying and deception is bad. But below the surface, more importantly, the issue was that through their sin, they had put the entire church community and that current move of God's Spirit at risk. Through their sin, they were putting the church at risk. Through Ananias and Sapphira, Satan was attempting to infiltrate and corrupt this work of God. That's really bad. Lying and deception is bad. Being the one through whom Satan comes in and begins to disrupt God's work, that's really bad. You don't want to be that person. You know how they say, you don't want to be that guy or that gal. Left unchecked. If that sin of Ananias and Sapphira was left unchecked, it would potentially short-circuit derail the entire move of God in the earth at that time. Well, what's really the big deal about that? Many lost souls would have remained lost. That's the big deal. And if you know God at all, you know his heart, primarily above everything and anything else, is that lost souls come to know him and do not end up in the lake of fire. Lesson number two, 
Our sin is much larger than our sin. It puts others at risk, including the church community. It can stifle, it can quench, grieve, even snuff out the fire of God's Spirit at work in our midst. We cannot take our sin lightly. We must take our sin seriously. Lesson number three, God's swift act of judgment had a twofold effect. First of all, you need to know, this was not just some random act of uncontrolled anger. Did you hear me? This was not just some uncontrolled anger issue with God that he got so mad he couldn't restrain himself, so he he killed him. It was not a knee-jerk reaction to their sin. I've had it with them. I'll show them. No, it was very purposeful, and it had a twofold purpose and a twofold effect. It was a great deterrent to sin. If you were in that church, you'd be thinking twice about your actions. If somebody publicly sinned in our congregations today and dropped dead, we'd be thinking twice about our actions. It's a great deterrent to sin, but it did something else, probably even larger. It it preserved and protected the work of God that was going on, that move of God. And that brings us to today's message. Kateri, if you'll come and read, and we'll stand with Kateri to honor God's word. I lowered the mic for you. Is that that okay? (laughs) You got other people using it, and then we have different sizes. Okay, Kateri is going to read. Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. The apostles heal many. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result... People brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. Thank you. You may be seated. Title. Title today. Church on the Move. The work of God continues. Thank God. Are you listening? You're not distracted today, are you? Not a good day to be distracted. God has a word for you. Thank God for his great love for the church and for those who are going to be reached by the church. Thank God that he intervened and nipped Satan's attempt to to infiltrate and derail the work in the bud. We see it as this harsh act of judgment, but can you see it as this wonderful act of love on God's part? Harsh act of judgment against Ananias and Sapphira. Tremendous love for all those who will come to know him through the work of the church that he was jealous enough to not allow to be derailed through their sin. So there's a theme running through this text that Kateri read for us. After a brief, albeit very scary, pause in the action, 
to deal with this potentially dangerous work-ordering situation, Ananias and Sapphira's sin. Now the work of God through the church continues. Can you imagine the church was, was just running full sped, speed. The Lord was adding daily to their number and people were being healed and all kinds of great things were happening. And then this Ananias and Sapphira event hit. Put the brakes on the work briefly. What a momentum stopper. Like hitting a wall. Totally unexpected. And as one would expect, Scripture says, great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard about it. Of course it did. Then slowly, they began to recover. And in verse 12, they have regained their previous momentum, and the church is on the move again. Just a side note. I always thought a great name for a church would be Church on the Move. What do you think? Elder, any elders here? What do you think about that? Church on the Move. Where do you go to church? I go to the Church on the Move. So they're back up, they're running full speed. The apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders again among the people. All the believers were meeting regularly again at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. So after a pause to preserve and make sure that we would hear this account of Ananias and Sapphira, Luke again begins emphasizing this mighty move of God at work among the church, detailing this move of the Holy Spirit among them. In verse 12, miraculous signs and wonders occurring. Point to note, it says many miraculous signs and wonders not just few and far between. It's commonplace. It was the rule, not the exception. Miraculous signs and wonders were a regular, frequent occurrence in that church. Part of normal church life for them. Also in verse 12, it says that the church community continued to meet again. And this also was regular and this also was frequent. Another point to note, this church grasped the importance of a principle Paul would write a few books later in Hebrews chapter 10. And God has something to say to us today about this. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. The church in the book of Acts understood this principle. It was undoubtedly one of their primary keys to success. Another point to note. In our opening review, we said we cannot take sin lightly. We must take sin seriously. So if God says to us, the church believers, let us not neglect our meeting together, and we neglect our meeting together, what is that? Warning to the church in these days ahead. It's always been important. It's going to become extremely important. God has never been pleased with that kind of behavior. He's going to be extremely pleased 
displeased in the future with this kind of behavior. You don't want to be a part of the as some people do crowd. You don't want to be a part of the crowd that neglects and doesn't take seriously the gathering of ourselves together. Hebrews 10.25, although we've made it this, is not optional. It's not optional. It's not a suggestion. It's a command to his people. Some revelation that I received on this verse a while ago, I always knew that we needed to meet together because it was important for us to meet together. We need that. God showed me not too long ago It's very important for him that we meet together. He needs us to meet together. It's how he accomplishes his will on earth is through the church, and especially through the corporate effort of the church meeting together. It's not just important on our our behalf. It's important from his perspective. He can't work fully if we're not meeting together. And that's on two levels. If you're the one not meeting If you're the one that's in the as some people do crowd, he can't work fully in your life. Because there's some of us that fall into that crowd, he can't work fully in our church life because you're not here. You know, we're a body, right? Try ever operating with just one arm. Where's the arm this week? Well, the arm slept in. Now what? I'm not being facetious, I'm being very serious. You don't want to be missing Sunday morning worship service. And you don't want to be missing opportunities to gather during the week that are offered. Especially now in the day in which we live. We are on the cusp of an end times mighty move of God. Crucial for the church during a mighty move of God to gather regularly and gather frequently. Here's an addendum that I'm going to add to last week's message. So if you weren't here, at least then you'll get at least the addendum this morning. This is an opinion that I have. I know there are others that share this. So I'm not saying thus saith the Lord. You can discern this and see if you want to buy this. This is my opinion. God's tone in these days is changing. Rest assured, his love is not changing. His love never changes. But his tone to the church is changing. I noticed he speaks to the church in a more stern way these days. His words and his demeanor are becoming more stern His love is the same always. Please don't mishear me. But his addressing of the church, there's a change. A word that I've received from the Lord recently is, I am about to come, and I am about to come powerfully through you. Oh, you mean not just independent. We're going to be like partnering and co-laboring. Yes, that's right. And to do that, we need to be at a certain level, and we can't be toying around with sin. We can't be messing around with sin. And God's beginning to let us know. He's been very gracious. But I think last Sunday, not just our church, 
Last Sunday I said to you guys, I wouldn't be surprised to hear that similar messages are being preached throughout the church and the nation. And I've heard that this week, confirmation. Similar messages are being preached throughout the church. Starting last Sunday, we stepped into a season where God's love has not changed one bit. But his voice to us is changing. And his messages to us and his demeanor towards us is changing. Before he can move mightily, before he can come and do the things we've been asking him to do, like Steve was asking in his prayer today, before he can do that, he has to give the church fair warning. Because when he moves that powerfully, there are consequences for those who aren't taking it seriously, those of his people. If you could, just ask Ananias and Sapphira. In this kind of mighty move of God that we're stepping into, there's less margin for error. There's less tolerance of sin. Consequences for sin can be swift and they can be harsh. His love is not changing. Please don't mishear me. But his addressing of the church and the actions that he's taking may be changing. Like any good dad, you tell your child, you know, you need to do this, and then there's grace, and there's a grace period. You go back, and they haven't done it. No, I said you need to do this. Now, you know, you need to do this. And you go back the third time, and it's still not done, and they're taking it lightly, and they're maybe a little disrespectful, and you're like, okay, look, I'm telling you. You know, the dad's love has not changed at all for that child. But for the child's sake, he's saying, look, I'm telling you, you need to do this or now there's going to be consequences if you don't. And I believe that's what's happening with God's, in God's relating to his people these days. Because what he wants to do is so important to him. He's inviting us to partner with him. And he's going to do it whether we do or not. But he's giving us fair warning. So we're not caught off guard like Ananias and Sapphira. Are you with me? Objection. I hear the objection. Pastor, come on. Stop trying to make us afraid of God. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of our entire relationship with him. This is not a trembling and intimidating, shaking in your boots fear. This is a healthy, sin-deterring, good-for-us level of fear of the Lord. This type of fear is fear that causes us to not take him for granted. This kind of fear is fear that causes us to not take him too lightly. This type of fear of the Lord is the foundation or the beginning of wisdom and of all that builds upon that foundation in our relationship with God. Returning to our text in Acts, in this passage in Acts, Luke indicates that the church seems to now be quickly back up to speed. God had to step in, give them fair warning, you know, this move that is, is beginning to happen that's going to eventually reach the entire known world of their day, 
he had to pause that move because maybe they were starting to take him a little too lightly. Ananias and Sapphira thought they could lie and get away with it. Satan thought he could wiggle his way into to that work and derail it. He found a couple in the church that would allow him to do that. You don't want to be that person. We don't want to be that person. And every time we sin, like it or not, we open the door for the devil to get a foothold in our lives. And Paul said very clearly, do not give the devil a foothold. Well, what's it matter? It only affects me. I don't even need to address that, do I? So they're back up to speed. Supernatural mighty acts of God are occurring. They're regularly meeting together, not just Sunday morning, all day on the Lord's Day and then throughout the week. A loving, caring community of believers. You remember it said there's no needy among them. They got through this. They recovered. They're back up and running. Acts 5, 13 to 16. But there was a problem. The Ananias and Sapphira event caused a bit of a hiccup. No one else dared to join them, even though all the people had high regard for them. This is interesting. It's not going to last long, though, but this is interesting. There were two reasons why no one dared to join them. What do you think they are? Ananias and Sapphira are the two reasons that nobody was thinking about coming close to the church. Remember Acts 4.11? Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what happened. So at this point, folks outside the church were staying outside the church. They were watching what was going on and they were not too quick to want to join the church. We're talking about outsiders, unbelievers. The Bible uses some words like pagan, heathen, depending on your version. Those folks that were not believers and not a part of the church were not at this time interested in becoming a part of the church. They knew their sin. Like the Israelites, when God, through Moses, invited them all up onto the top of the mountain. But they looked up and they saw the lightning and heard the thunder and the smoke and the clouds and the fire. And they're like, Moses, why don't you go up, get the word from God and bring it back down to us? Be better that way. The people, the outsiders, the unbelievers of Jerusalem, they had witnessed the execution of Ananias and Sapphira, and they weren't quite ready to join the church. Joining the church, the church that was on the move, could be a very high-risk venture. We'll watch from afar. Still, though, even in spite of that, it says that they held the believers in high regard. And by the way, that's another great name for a church, the church of high regard. Where do you go to church? I go to the church of high regard. Elders, what do you think? Yes? No? It's not even that I'm really looking for a new name for our church. Just these two things hit me, church on the move, church of high regard. Isn't that unique? What? Prideful. Oh, Steve, you crushed me now. So anyhow, they held the church in high regard. And this, high regard means this, with much respect, in high esteem, with great appreciation, in wonder and in awe, with good opinion. The church had an excellent opinion with the outsiders. 
although they were afraid at this point to come close. Because the church had such a good reputation with outsiders, it's going to go a long way in overcoming their fear. It's going to bring about a very interesting phenomena. The Holy Spirit is going to use it mightily. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord, and they were added to their number. That means they were joined to them. So at first there was this ring of outsiders watching them, but they would not cross close to the church. They saw what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. But the Holy Spirit broke that down. Despite their fear from what happened, they could not resist the irresistible draw of the Holy Spirit to Jesus in his church. You see that? Man, we're missing some great places for amens during this message. Jesus was so evident in that church that even the fear of what happened to Ananias and Sapphira eventually could not keep the people from wanting to become a part of this move. The thought here when it says added to the number, we're back to the momentum where God was adding to the church daily those who were being saved. Awesome, right? Man, oh, that would be us. Yeah? I'm sorry, did I say, oh, that that would be us? I meant to say, that's going to be us. Church on the move. Church of high regard. That's going to be us. Although our name will be Columbia Christian Fellowship. So as a result of all this that we've been talking about, we're moving towards a close. As a result of all this, Sick people, oh man, we're going to get into something else very exciting here. Sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that just Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. Crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick, those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all healed. My goodness, this sounds like who? Sounds like Jesus. People were bringing every, all the sick out of the villages, and he was healing them all. And demons were fleeing. People were being set free. Addictions were being broken, never to come back. There's not one thing that we have or we experience that wasn't represented by all the people who came out of these villages. Mental health, you, 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 anything you could imagine, there was somebody in that crowd, and Jesus healed them. It bothers me when I hear believers say, you know, yeah, Jesus heals, but I don't really know if he can or, or will heal that condition. Well, that's a faith killer. Almost always, if not always, any mighty move of God's spirit in the earth is accompanied by tremendous healing of the sick. It's just a fact. You can research it. Biblical or extra-biblical, post-biblical, Old Testament, New Testament, doesn't matter. When God's Spirit moves mightily, physical healing occurs. It's just the way it is. I'm going to explain to you theologically why, but it's just the way it is. 
I even pray right now, Father, that you would, through Jesus, you would stretch forth your hand to heal and to perform many miraculous signs and wonders, miracles in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And we have the laying on of hands and all of that, but he don't need the laying on of hands to heal. If he wants to heal, he could heal. If he heals you during the service today, let us know. Now, there's a reason why healing always accompanies these great moves of God and revival. It's not a coincidence. It's not a random happenstance. It's designed and it's ordained by God to be this way. Our God delights to heal. Our God delights to heal. And there's a theological reason why healing is connected to revival. There's a reason why salvation and healing are intertwined in every great move of God in the earth. I just want to give us a quick theological lesson. It comes from Isaiah 53. He, meaning Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions. Where did that happen? On the cross on Calvary. He, Jesus, was crushed for our iniquities. Where did that happen? The punishment that brought us peace with God, restored relationship, was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. Where did that happen? This is commonly referred to as the atonement passage of Scripture. Jesus died for our sins that we might be forgiven and regain heaven. And that's where we usually stop. But what else does it say? By his wounds, in that same setting, the atonement, when he was dying for our sins, by his wounds we are healed of our physical sicknesses. Forgiveness of sin is not the only thing mentioned in the description of Calvary and the cross. Healing of physical diseases is also mentioned as well. That's why in the CMA, that's our denomination if you're visiting with us, in the CMA, Christian and Missionary Alliance, We believe there is healing in the atonement of Jesus, and it's available to God's people. It's a part of our salvation package. It's one of the benefits of our salvation. Jesus died to set us free from the curse of sin. That includes both the forgiveness of sin and the healing of our physical sicknesses. Because physical sickness came in on the back of sin. It rode in to the human race on sin and was part of the curse of sin. And so when the curse is reversed and salvation, forgiveness of sins is given, healing is there as well. That's why in any great move of God, mighty move of his spirit, you see salvation, you, people, you see people getting saved, and you also see people getting healed and delivered. You look like you don't believe me. If you don't believe me, you know what the problem that is? First of all, it's not me you're believing. I'm showing you the scripture. So if you don't believe the scripture, you know what that does? It kills any faith that you might have to be healed. Unbelief is a faith killer. Now, just to make sure that we know Isaiah 53 was referring to physical illness... Because some people spiritualize that. 
And they say, yeah, he died for our sins. He forgave our sins. And when it says we're healed, it's talking about we're now right relationship with God. No, I want to prove to you from Scripture, this is talking about physical illness. No question. We're going to go into the New Testament. Matthew chapter 8. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out the evil spirits with a simple command, and he healed all their sick. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah, who said he took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. You can debate it if you want. For me, it's a settled matter. Forgiveness of sin, healing of physical sickness are often coupled in Scripture. There's so many. I'm just going to show us one, one of my favorites, one of the primary. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and he heals all my diseases. Let's try this again. Our God delights to forgive sins. Our God delights to heal sickness, disease, sickness, and illness. Sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. How many have heard that verse before or that concept before? You know, and the implication is when Peter's shadow hit him, they were healed. First thought, you might ask, man, is that even true? I say yes. It's in the scripture. I believe it. But the second thing I want to say to you is this. Don't concern yourself too much about this. It was one of the ways God chose to display his power to heal at that time. He may or may not do it again. Don't think that it's required of you to ask God to make you so powerful that your shadow is going to heal somebody. It may or may not happen. He did it then. He did it through Peter. He heals in many ways. Who knows what he might do in these days ahead through us? The unexpected. Maybe not our shadow, but who knows? In these days ahead, he may do it in other ways, and some may blow our minds in what he does. we got to ramp up our vision of who God is and what he can do, what he wants to do. I think our low vision of who he is 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 causing us to not experience a lot that he wants to do. Just my opinion. And you probably have guessed over recent weeks and months, I am not satisfied anymore with status quo Christianity. You look at the book and you look at our lives and you say, Where's the power? Where's the life? Where are the, where are the promises? The important thing to know is not that God healed through Peter's shadow, but that our God delights to heal. He, whenever these things, kind of, these things occur, Scripture always very clearly says, and he healed all their sick. There's not a recorded instance of somebody coming to Jesus for healing that didn't receive healing. This is a very, (laughs) I got to watch where I go at least right now in this message. 
But I think we rationalize, we come up with so many reasons as why God's not going to heal in this particular case. <laughs> and that's primary. <laughs> the important thing to know is not that Peter's shadow healed people, but that our God delights to heal. And know this too, connected with that, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He hasn't changed. He hasn't decided that during those days he, he delighted to heal and now he doesn't so much anymore. It's also not true if some say we don't need it because we have the medical field. We don't need the healing anymore like they did. Closing verse. Crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits and they were all healed. Villages around Jerusalem, very interesting. That's a reference to Judea, Samaria, and beyond. Sound familiar? Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. So people were now coming from all of these regions to Jerusalem to experience what this church on the move, the church of high regard, was accomplishing through his spirit. People were coming now from all around. What was happening here in Jerusalem right now through this church was preparing the way for the fulfillment of Acts chapter 1, verse 8, not too long, distant in the future. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and beyond. And now it started because they came to Jerusalem. They saw what was happening. The seeds for the future fulfillment of this command of Jesus, the mission of the church, they're contained in this verse. The folks who were coming to Jerusalem and witnessing what was going on, they were going back home and they were talking. You don't see this kind of stuff. I met a guy who, when his shadow touched people, they got healed. You don't see that kind of stuff and go back to life as normal. They were telling folks about this. They were telling folks about Jesus, which is exactly what was supposed to happen. None of this was random. None of this was coincidence or happenstance. This was all ordained and planned by God. Soon the disciples would have to send contingents from the Jerusalem church to establish new churches in these other regions because the people who couldn't stay in Jerusalem all the time were begging them to come. So that Jesus could begin operating in their community. <laughs> it's awesome, isn't it? Bring the salvation. Bring the healing of Jesus to our region. The stage is now set. This is the end. The stage is now set for the spread of Christianity far and wide. From this Acts chapter 5 passage. Jamal. You'll come. Rest of us will stand. Sonny, if you want to bring the band forward. By the way, I love you guys. I want you to know that. Some of these messages start getting a little harsh in the days ahead. Just know I love you guys. And the messages I'm preaching to you, God is speaking to me. I am not off the hook. Band, if you take your place quickly. And when everybody's in place, Jamal, if you'll come to the mic and lead us in prayer.
We still got some band members coming. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you for the message, God, that you gave to our pastor, God. Thank you for the angel of this church, Lord, that you spoke in him and through him, Father. Father, thank you for us because, God, thank you for the scripture that you gave us, God, that, you know, how can we, like, like well, I want to piggyback, God, what your word says, how can we hear unless there be a preacher sent from God? And, God, he's our preacher, he's our pastor, and he's our shepherd, God. So, God, I thank you for our shepherd, God, for us as, 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 us as the sheep, God, to receive the word, Lord. Yes. Oh, God, just bless our shepherd, God, and, and our first lady, too, God. Oh, God, we thank you, God, for the congregation here, God, the elders and the musicians and everybody, God. So, Lord, just bless us, God, to take what we heard, God, and to apply it through this week and even apply it in our lives, God. Lord, we just thank you, God, for the word, God. We just thank you what we heard, God. We just thank you, God. Oh, God, just be with us, Lord. Just be with us, God. Bless us to receive it, to obtain it, God, to let it marinate it, God. Lord, just let us to hold on, God, what we heard, God. Just let us to hold on to it, Lord. We just thank you, God. Lord, we just ask you to bless everyone in this place, God. Bless everyone, God, throughout this whole week, God, if they go to their jobs, God, or even what they do, God. We thank you, God. Lord, bless the band as they give the song, God. Bless us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly message. To connect with us, visit our website at blesscolumbia.org.